Hello, and welcome to Future Forward Podcast, an unusual tech dialogue about the advancements and innovations which are going to affect your everyday lives today and in the future. Brought to you by Mazdar City, a world-class innovation hub and a pioneering sustainable urban community in Abu Dhabi. I'll be your host, Steve Severance, head of program management and marketing, and I'll be joined by Ali Al Said, an incredibly funny Emirati comedian. And together, we'll meet awesome experts and change makers to answer frequently asked questions on the hottest topics to keep future tech on your radar. Not only that, at the end of each episode, I'll be putting Ali to the test to see how much he's learned. Ali, welcome back. How are you today? I'm not good, Steve, if I'm going to be honest with you. You guys look like you got yourself a fancy studio. And you put me in this void with a white wall. Is it? Am I in the real world? I have no idea. You're in the metaverse, Sally, but this is the artificial intelligence episode. I'm really excited about this because we have an amazing guest today. But first, Ali, are you a little worried? I mean, as a, as a stand-up comedian, a full-time stand-up comedian, are you worried that soon the computer is going to be able to do crowd work? Hey, man, you already have a computer doing crowd work. His name is Ali. I'm yeah. I'm being humble. You're never, you've never been humble, Ali. And here's somebody you, I, we actually have a guest who is <laughs> humble and he has no reason to be humble. We are actually here today with Dr. Abdul Rahman Al Mahmoud. He is the principal of big data and analytics research and leading on cloud group at uh, Technology Innovation Institute. Uh, Dr. Abdul Rahman, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. I'm especially excited because we are both at Mazdar City. Uh, me working at Master City directly, and you at Technology Innovation Institute, which is one of our favorite partners there. What? So why don't you, we'll start off by putting the question to you. When will Ali need to worry about his job? Well, Ali shouldn't, actually, because he's great at what he does. <laughs> uh, but uh, in all seriousness, though, um, job re- replacement or AI replacing people's jobs is a topic that has been discussed quite a bit. Uh, it's one of the highest worries actually of adopting AI at a wide scale. So the governments do worry about this quite a bit as well. And uh, the consensus is, or at least my personal opinion on that is that we shouldn't worry too much about that at the time being, especially at very high skilled uh, jobs. So where AI has proven very useful is augmenting uh, in an augmenting uh, role. So assisting people or uh, specialists in doing their role better. Uh, let's look at doctors or the medical profession as an example. Uh, go back five years or 10 years in the past and you'll find that people were discussing uh, AI replacing radiologists, right? You will not need any radiologists because the AI system is just that good at finding, uh, for example, tumors or anomalies in an X-ray. But to this day, we haven't really found an AI system or even the legislative uh, framework to replace these radiologists. You still need the experts to have a look at these MRIs or X-rays. AI systems do support you uh, big, uh, big time, basically, in doing diagnostic work, right? It can highlight areas of interest. It can basically give you a second pair of eyes to look at these images with a specialist, with a radiologist. But it wouldn't replace him just yet. I don't see that happening in the near future. It might replace some jobs, but that's part of the evolution of jobs itself, right? Yeah, Uh, Jobs jobs have been being replaced by machinery since machinery was invented. Why don't we take it back a bit to when, maybe to when AI first entered people's consciousness. I'm not even sure if we're using the term AI, artificial intelligence at the point, but when Deep Blue beat Gary Kasparov, 
the the first time that a, a computer beat a grand champion of chess. That really, I think, woke people up to the idea that wow, computers can do some things better than humans can. Tell us what was unique about that moment in time, and also, uh, you know, what some of the limitations were, and, and, and where you see us going. Uh, that's an absolutely monumental uh, event in AI history. It absolutely classifies as AI. Now, if you look at the principles or the algorithms that were used in Deep, uh, in deep Blue, they were very simple. Uh, they were uh, basically decision trees, right? So if your enemy, Kasparov, in that, uh, in that sense, takes a step in this, uh, or takes this step, for example, moving the pawn, then you have this set of uh, counteractions that you can perform, right? And you would follow basically a tree of these counteractions that would lead you to victory. Uh, now, this principle is very simple. It wasn't anything new. But what enabled it was, it was coupled with a huge supercomputer, right? It was the largest of its time. So that supercomputer was able to calculate almost all the steps that were uh, to the end of the game, right? And there are so many of those steps. Right? It's quite mathematically complex. Well, the follow-up question to that would be, why are we actually so fascinated by making AI systems play games, right? Uh, and the answer to that is, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm asking myself these questions. I'm not going to lie. You stole my question, and now you're asking it to yourself. Um, but your, your job won't be replaced soon, but podcast host and, you know, and participant could be, could be in your future. So, no, but I, I think it's actually fascinating what, what you're bringing up there and, and why games. And I think, you know, and I'll, I'll answer the question since you're asking them now. I think because it's a benchmark that we can see and it's something we can all relate to. Oh, well, we've played chess. We've gotten beat badly by someone who's better than us. That person who was better than us was beaten by, by someone who's better than them. And, and there are things like this that you can... Also, you can gamify this. Anyone can download a chess program on our phones with that could be Deep Blue easily now. Uh, and you can set it for any levels, and, and you can do this. And each game, you, you can see this along the way, how the computer learns. So I think it's something we, we do it because the programmers want to challenge themselves because it's something they can relate to. Uh, so there are, absolutely, there are two elements to this. One is the human factor, right? You want something that can be demonstrated to the general public, show them the capabilities of these AI systems, something that everybody understands, right? Like chess. The second part of it is the more scientific part because uh, most of these AI systems share the same base. So if you're able to develop it that uh, well enough to perform well in a game, you could potentially reuse that in other applications. So for example, if you look at the uh, GANs, for example, this is one of the most uh, interesting recent developments in AI history, actually, generative adversarial networks. Uh, GANs uh, is basically, uh, so traditionally AI systems are able to classify data, tell you that, for example, this is a cat or a dog, right? mm -hmm. or uh, take decisions like drive an autonomous car, avoid obstacles. Uh, GANs took basically a different approach. It's able to generate data. So in principle, in a simplified way, you feed the GAN network some data. Like the, for example, audio, my audio. Uh, using a complex mechanism, it would generate audio that is almost similar to mine, right? But saying different things, right? Well, we can help even beyond that. We can do video now. What they're called deep fakes, right? Absolutely. What they're called deep fakes. I mean, I'm not 
popular enough to have a deep fake, but you might have a, you know, President Biden having a deep fake about him, someone who'd be famous enough that and could say things that would be very dangerous. Or you could have someone uh, very damaging to someone's reputation that is almost indistinguishable from the real thing. And at some point in the future, could be indistinguishable. Nobody expected the dangers that it would cause. Right, so governments are quite worried about it. There has been discussions about illegalizing it or so looking at it as a way of uh, in the framework of defaming someone, for example. Now, uh, the concept of guns itself has found use in other scientific domains. For example, in the medical domain, uh, it is used to train. Uh, it can be used actually to train doctors. So you would get an X-ray of a completely healthy person. And let's say you want to train a doctor on uh, some rare diseases, some rare anomalies in the chest. These guns, some of these guns are able to inject, let's say tumor-like artifacts to the image so that you would get, uh, well, uh, basically fake tumors, right? Uh, in the image where the doctor can actually train and start looking for that and uh, basically upskill uh, radiologists in that domain. Uh, that is a very good use case for guns, right? It's used for security, right? So you have basically a system that's trying to attack you, and then you build your defensive according to that, right? So it's a it's an intelligent system that's evolving. How come we're not worried about AI as much as we, at least as much as I am? Because I feel like, yeah, there's you said there's there's definitely positives in it, but in in the hands of the general public, like guns, for example, making deep fakes and that kind of stuff. Um, it's never going to be evil because it starts off as a, as a prank and it's something funny and then it just can evolve into whatever you want it to be and it's usually not good. Is it, Am I reading it right or am I being too negative? The technologies are much easier now to access. That is true. But uh, this is part of the evolution of technology. If you look at Photoshop, for example, when it first came out, right? Uh, the accessibility to such tools allowed people to start using it for pranks and so on. But it's so common now that people understand the scope of it. Uh, we are going through that same era or that is through the same steps with, with guns. Uh, but given that the implications of it are much more dangerous, right? You can fake somebody's voice. And uh, there are recorded cases of it actually being used in fraud. Uh, but... Here is where the governments come in and start to basically put a legal That's framework. Right, because I think it. everyone should know, uh, Dr. Abdul Rahman, that you, before you were at Technology Innovation Institute, you were actually on the Prime Minister's Office for Artificial Intelligence, right? You were you were worked there for you worked there helping to establish policy for the government on how they should react, how they can use artificial intelligence, and also how they should uh, what they should be aware of potential difficulties, right? Yes. So I served in the Prime Minister's office uh, in the Office of Artificial Intelligence as the head of research and infrastructure. And we did look at these technologies quite seriously, right? It has a lot of implications. We need to understand what is the scope of it, how can it be used, and what can be done to limit the negative effects of it. So can we talk a bit about some of the technologies that Ali might be using today? that we don't know are power by artificial intelligence, but that it's actually something that's practical and, and usable, and it's helping to, uh, to help make our lives better or more interesting? Or. So there are, well, it's, uh, it's difficult to find something that doesn't use AI at this point, right? So your phone, for example, it has so many AI technologies in it, right? From uh, the camera, uh, camera improvement technologies, right? Uh, the filters that uh, improve 
uh, image quality. Uh, going to planes, right? So most planes now have these autopilot features, right? Uh, it's rare to find uh, commercial flights that don't use autonomous flights anymore, right? Especially with takeoff and landing. Uh, soon, hopefully, uh, autonomous cars. Of course, uh, AI is not bound to fully autonomous cars, right? For example, if you have a car that has, uh, uh, let's say... Self-parking, self-parking, assisted parking, lane recognition, distance. Uh, it can it can fall, pick up when you're falling asleep. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so they're all building in. So what what are you saying that... AI is starting just to affect our lives in 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 small ways in in, in many many small ways instead of one big overwhelming. Uh, well, uh, there are these uh, huge achievements that everyone looked to, right? For example, autonomous cars. Yes. Uh, we have been waiting for uh, for autonomous cars forever, right? And this is basically what everyone views as the artificial intelligence application, right? But AI has been affecting our lives at many well many other ways. In fact, if you go online, just open any social media application or even the web, right? Most of the content that you see is basically given to you through an AI system, a very intelligent recommender system. So a recommender system looks at your profile, it understands what type of content you like, what type of content you have looked at before, and it gives you something that is suitable to your taste, right? And these have become so good that advertisers are actually paying huge money. To these, uh, to these companies, right, to develop better algorithms, to use these algorithms and apply them. But how are they taking my thoughts and then showing me an advertisement or suggested content based on that? Because sometimes I'll be like thinking of pasta and then there's Italian restaurants all over my feed, every social media platform. You would be surprised how complex these algorithms are, uh, really, because... Uh, <laughs> I mean, they are very complex, advanced algorithms, but fed with every piece of data about you that you could ever think of, right? Uh, your phone's uh, your phone, right? It's basically a huge sensor that goes with you everywhere, right? Uh, I might be uh, pushing a bit uh, by saying that it knows where you are because there are privacy laws that prevent, for example, such fine-grained data from being collected about you. But just your interaction with websites. But right? most of us say, can, you know, do you mind, can, you know, can Google have your location? Most of the time, because you want Google Maps to work, you say yes. <laughs> most of us are too lazy to go through and tell this website, don't track me. Or I don't, don't, don't take these cookies. Don't follow me everywhere in the web. Most of us are too lazy to worry about our own privacy, so we give this data away for free. It, it, true, but uh, I mean... Uh, I get the feeling, though, you're the one who goes through and, uh, and takes care of every website. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I do to some degree, but I also choose to give up some of my data. For example, you, you mentioned that you feel like pasta and then you get an advertisement for pasta. Would you rather get advertisement for cars if you feel like pasta, right? That's a question that you ask yourself, right? Uh, the more data you give up about about yourself, is a privacy that you give up, but it's a better service that you get as well. So it's always a trade-off, and people like to view it as both a challenge of algorithms and data. But from what I've seen, data is a much more difficult problem to solve in this domain. Uh, for example, let's look at the autonomous car companies that are out there. The most well-known of them is, of course, Tesla. 
why is Tesla ahead of the curve? Uh, why is Tesla basically the closest, arguably, to achieving fully autonomous driving? Uh, well, Tesla has thousands of cars on the road, and well, each of these cars is actually collecting data, right? It's a sensor. Mm-hmm. Uh, this data is then fed back to Tesla's cloud system. Uh, so they're really collecting an enormous amount of data. Nobody has a fleet as large as Tesla on the road right now. Not close. I would also say that there's a bit of a culture of company leadership at Tesla. Oh, wait, Elon Musk. Here he is again. Every episode, we have to mention Elon Musk when you're talking about you the future. always have to mention the villain, guys. Always have to mention. You're not going to get a free Tesla out of this alley. You can't hate me for trying. I, I, have a, I have a question that, that I've been thinking about for a very long time, actually, and it connects to what you're saying, but in, differently in the sense, what are we doing from a cultural standpoint for AI? There are things that... Um, don't like. I mean, we were talking about Google Translate earlier, for example. The it, it, although it's getting better, it is very far from capturing the sentiment of of how Arabic uh, sounds like when spoken or written. Just communication is 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 one way, but generally uh, adapting uh, the Arab culture. Like, what are we doing to do that? To to implement that with AI? Does that make sense? I think I, I went. I went to many different places, but in, in culturally, what are we doing for AI? Well, we can start by uh, saying we take AI very seriously in the UAE, right? We are the first country to assign a minister for AI, right? Uh, His Excellency Omar al-Ulama. This really shows uh, the dedication, how we understand the impact of AI. When you talk about a technology that's affecting everybody, right? Uh, we covered how basically everybody is exposed to data or advertisement or all of our, the aspects of our lives is basically in one shape or form interacts with AI, right? So it's very important to understand that technology. It unlocks a lot of the future technologies. It unlocks economical growth. It unlocks uh, medical uh, healthcare potential, prosperity. So we have that understanding. Then you have universities that are dedicated to AI, right? The MBZU AI and Masdar City as well. Uh, we have TII, for example, where we are doing a lot of AI research, G42. So we really are jumping and uh, into the domain and trying to put an impact on that. So why don't we let you give you a shout out to the you know Technology Innovation Institute and t- talk just a little bit about some of the work you're doing in AI. So uh, basically, uh, TII is the technical arm of the Abu Dhabi Advanced Research Council. We do basically advanced research in really multiple domains and AI touches. So we have multiple centers, for example, a center for quantum computing, a center for, I come personally from the secure systems research center, uh, where we basically develop secure drone technologies, secure autonomous car technologies, uh, and so on. Now, what you see consistently across all centers is that AI is basically there are multiple projects on developing AI systems, machine learning algorithms that touch security, quantum computing. So it's something that is very universal to us. And we are, we are basically working on that day and night. Right? Uh, the data aspect is something that I'm personally very interested in, how to get quality data, how to make, uh, or how to build the proper pipeline for data. So for example, uh, drone systems generate a huge amount of data. A, data that you cannot potentially as a human process. 
Now, that data is actually very important to have a look at, right? It might be an indicator of something that's going wrong. And uh, machine learning algorithms uh, happen to be very good at looking at huge amounts of data and telling you if something is potentially going wrong. Well, I mean, I think you and the, and the university and, and, and the other scientists around the world, obviously there's companies and universities around the world, that you, there's two sides to this. There's the pure science side. <laughs> Uh, and there's say what, what Google did uh, and being able to predict the way proteins fold. And then there's the application side of it. And then the pure science side, we you know we don't what we don't see or think about, um, but it enables all the activities that we do see and think about. It enables everything we get on on the mm-hmm. internet and social media uh, and being able to see that and and what we're what we get to see and react to uh, to drones. You know the. If you talk about two of the biggest technologies uh, that are coming, I think autonomous vehicles and everyone drone delivery. Uh, I know Amazon is actually starting to debut some of this now in the U.S. at a cost of sixty-two dollars per delivery. Well, that doesn't make really sense to bring me a ten-dollar package if it costs you sixty-two dollars to deliver. But the push is to to bring that way down. Um, and you mentioned that you're not worried right now about jobs being replaced, at least not at the high-end comedian. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I'm old enough that I think I'll get to you know, be done. I'll mm-hmm. get to retire before uh, a lot of the jobs are replaced. But things like drivers are, mm-hmm. are a big area that you do see this being replaced uh, auto- with, with the rise of autonomous vehicles, uh, which is probably in a lot of ways a good thing because, mm-hmm. as humans have shown, we're not that great at driving. Uh, but also delivery services. There are a significant amount of the jobs uh, globally mm-hmm. in transportation. You'd be so, better at driving if you stayed off the left lane, Steve. That's for you, Ali. I know. Oh, I'm saying. I know. You, you, I know. I know. You, you, that, that belongs to you. You have a Nissan Patrol. You, uh, yes, that's for you. Uh, so uh, this is what I look at uh, in terms of the natural evolution of jobs. Right, Driving, for example... Now it's not the same as driving 20 years ago or 30 years ago, right? It evolves. Now, the way that I see it happening in the near future is that AI systems will help us drive more safely, right? It will push you away from the left lane. If, for example, it is you <laughs> causing issues on that. But, uh, and that is actually being, if you look at any modern car, right? The, the new uh, high-end cars. They have brake assist. They have radar systems that are able to detect pedestrians. Uh, They have so many assistive technologies. And this is exactly what I was uh, mentioning, is that AI will be an augmentation technology in the near future. It will support us in doing our tasks better. But then there is, in my opinion, the far future or the thing that people are worried about. And uh, then you go a bit into the philosophical questions or a bit in the science fiction question for example when is the singularity event going to happen in AI which is a a singularity in AI for example is when AI becomes self-conscious and that will allow it to grow much faster than humans right I robot right oh yeah I robot because we got to bring in the movie we got because it's all about the movies here so from you know 2000 but this was back in 1968 2001 a space oddity and Hal and mm-hmm. Hal developed a consciousness yep. and this was uh, shocking at the time when most people had never seen a computer mm-hmm. uh, but that was the first one and this is this is a theme from yeah from 2001 a space oddity to iRobot yep. that the robot develops a consciousness yeah 
It's no longer an, al an algorithm. That is basically the concept of singularity in AI, right? That there would potentially come a point, a tipping point, where AI would become self-conscious. I'm not too worried about that because, uh, to be honest with you, uh, stupid AI systems scare me more than smart AI systems. I mean, imagine if you're flying... Uh, oh, I'm glad. I thought you were going to say <laughs> stupid people scare me more than smart AI. <laughs> The, the, Sorry, Ali. Uh, I, the, couldn't, I, 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 I had to take that one. I know that's your job, Ali, but I was on that. Missed you. Hey, man, as long as you're not pointing at me, it felt personal. <laughs> but uh, that's where I thought you were going with that when you started. But I, but yeah. I understand. But explain that a little bit. Why or poorly thought out mm -hmm. AI scares you more than really intelligent AI? Well, AI systems, well, it's very accessible now for anybody to go and build an AI system, right? The, the tools are available, the education is available, and uh, the tools have become so easy to use, right? For example, guns. Now, so for everyone listening, which tools would I need? If I was gonna go build an AI system, what, what would you recommend I start with in terms of tools? Well, I would recommend first getting the proper education. <laughs> but then uh, there are tools like TensorFlow. So it's not quite as easy as you, as you told everybody just a second ago. It's for, oh, the, for the highly educated in the specific field, they have the capability to do this. But it's much easier for very smart people to do this. Uh, not uh, quite because I mean, when when I got into AI, it was something that was dedicated to the higher education, right? PhDs that have spent many years are able to actually go in and build an AI system. Uh, and that was 10 years ago, right? Now uh, you find high schoolers that are building AI, AI systems, right? Uh, very good chatbots, for example. That was unthinkable at, the, at our time, right? It was a PhD thesis to go, and, go ahead and build an, a chatbot. So it becomes much more accessible now. But then uh, we go back to the question, uh, uh, poorly thought out AI systems do scare me. Uh, so it is easy to build an autonomous car now, uh, to some degree, right? Uh, not very efficient autonomous car, right? <laughs> but uh, imagine that you're driving in this autonomous car built by some small company. And uh, let's say that it's not properly trained. An adversary uh, or somebody who intends you Ill, uh, harm, right, comes and draws an, a diagonal line on the street, something that looks like a stop sign uh, or a stop line. How would your car behave? Would you happen to know that? Uh, I mean, this is what I mean by poorly thought out AI systems. An intelligent AI system would know that this is not supposed to be here, right? Uh, and would just practice cautious. By the way, I think most of those chat bots uh, the, are, 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 are some, of the, you know, some of the most frustrating AI <laughs> that, uh, that we've ever seen. I've been yelling into my cell phone, person, person, person. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Um, <laughs> by the way, I think the, uh, the enemy that he was talking about that would draw that diagonal line on the road just to mess with you. He's talking about Elon Musk. <laughs> You're definitely not getting the free Tesla thing, Miss Allie. Hey, man, I'm being honest. I tell the truth. That's my problem. So on that, you think it's time to ask Allie some questions, see if he paid attention this time? Yeah. Put Allie to the test. Okay, that's one point for Allie. It's a free one today. Hey, man, thank you. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. This is artificial intelligence. What's going to happen, Steve, is my algorithm is going to jump in and take over, and all these answers are going to be perfect. Perfect. Question number two. When did AI begin? 
uh, before time itself. It was something to do with blue diamonds, and it was a chess game. Am I am I way off? No, no, that was exactly right. Before time itself was the answer we were looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, question number three. What is deep blue? Deep blue is the thing that they did chess with, but they couldn't do the other Chinese game with it. When was it the deep blue beat Gary Kasparov or Kasparov, depending on uh, whether or not I say his name properly? What year? What what year did it happen? Oh, that's a follow-up question. We don't do follow-up questions. Do oh, but it's written down here on my. It's written down here on my sheet. Nineteen ninety-seven. Killer. Then don't complain about follow-up questions. Okay, how yeah. many parameters? Does GPT-3 process? Three. It's more. It's more. Billion. More. Uh, billions upon billions. Trillions. 170 billion is the answer we were looking for. I was right there. Well, it? kind of. Kind of. Finally, last question, Ali. What is a deep fake? And have you ever done any deep fakes on fellow comics who you wanted out. A deep fake is GANS technology, which is generative adversarial network system, which uh, is basically what you would use to put Will Smith's face on Joe Biden's head. And that is a fact. Is Chris Rock involved in that or not? No, we can't afford him anymore because he's getting paid a lot of money. But in general... I think Will Smith and Joe Biden is a good enough lineup. I think it's a good enough lineup. Thank you, Ali. Hey, nailed it one more time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, I've answered every single one of these questions every single week. Steve, step up your game. So I want to thank you, Dr. Abdelrahman, from the Technology Innovation Institute. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if you want to find out about more about the research that you're doing, can we go to your website? You can go to TII.ae. TI.ae. And if you find them, want to find out about more about how Mazdar City is implementing the technologies that we're talking about, come check us out at MazdarCity.ae. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow and subscribe to Future Forward wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us, send us feedback. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell everybody you know. You can also learn more about Mazdar City and how we're leading the conversation around technology and sustainability at www.mazdarcity.ae. Until next time, goodbye.